If you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. Hello everyone, it's me, Yatsi Crozier. And I'm joined for the first time on Slightly Something Else by <laughs> Marty Sliver, McBiggity. Hey, thank you so much for having me. I've, I've, I've been such a such a fan of this new format with, with you and Jack and you and Nick. I'm, I'm thrilled to be able to come here and, and gab with you. Well, Nick's a very busy boy these days. So he really he, is. He tells me that you'll be taking over on the alternate weeks that Jax isn't on. Yeah, I, I think Nick, exp- Nick might be, be fully the world's number one. He's the he's the world's number one busy boy. And yes, he has he has told me that. It would be pretty funny if he never told me that. And then it was yeah, just like, well, we this just, is just what you do forever. We were just breaking it to you now. Yeah. <laughs> uh, story of my life. Yeah, you, there you go. Here's the video I made. Great. You are now doing this forever. <laughs> there's really no finality to it right it's just it's 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 there's no there's no space between the sequels of your videos that's that's kind of the problem there's always going to be games to insult that is that is true i'm not too bothered you know at the movies ran for 25 years and then it only ended because everyone died that yeah that is true and uh well they did they hated each other for the first couple of years but then i think they ended up i was actually i I was recently listening to an uh uh, oral history podcast of at the movies Mm -hmm. and they said that their rivalry between siskel and ebert was so intense that they forced their secretary to get them the exact same lunch every day for several years straight because uh otherwise they would be so competitive like that someone's tuna sandwich was better than someone's turkey sandwich that's uh weirdly wholesome approach to bitter rivalry <laughs> if only modern politics could remember how to have wholesome rivalries like yeah that's in like the 19th century when people just dueled each other to death yeah it reminded me of like an anime rivalry which is like ultimately like it's like goku and vegeta butt heads every once in a while but ultimately they're pals yeah so i appreciate like, that it's like phoenix wright and edgeworth but exactly. anyway Speaking of long-awaited sequels, we're talking uh, sequels. Specifically, how long is too long to wait for a sequel? And there's a couple of things that brought this topic to mind uh-huh. lately. There's been quite a few uh, sequels that have come out after a long waiting period. Most notably, Psychonauts 2 this week. Uh-huh. But we've also got uh, Half-Life Alex in the thumbnail there. And I've been uh, enjoying No More Heroes 3 before anyone else, because I'm connected. Ooh, Straight from the straight from the veins of Suda himself, and you were uh, you've we've both started on Psychonauts too. Yeah, yeah, and I'm a I'm a huge fan of the original. The original's uh, uh, sort of uh, wrinkles aside is is one of my favorite games of the the PS2 and Xbox generation, which I think was a pretty good generation when you look back on it. I would say PS2 probably one still one of the best. In yeah, terms of I, the I think because yeah. it balanced technology to achieve the vision of the creator without being mm-hmm. so high-powered that it alienated everyone who couldn't afford the top-range yeah. graphics. And I had good third-party support. I had a great library. And it was it felt uh, it felt special when you'd find a weird game like Mr. Mosquito or Guitar Man or Katamari Damashi to yeah. where... You could, have just, weird, it, you could have weird games on the PS2. Yeah. Remember that? Aww. Yeah, and they'd be pictures. on the shelf right next to the AAA big boys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We had a similar thing in the because I was just uh, a lot of people were waxing poetic about the 30th anniversary of the uh, Super Nintendo, uh, mm-hmm. at least in in America. It was just this week, um, and uh, it was that was one of those consoles. It's the same thing where I can remember seeing the big new Mario game like Yoshi's Island right next to the Earthbound gigantic box that had the player's guide in it and the scratch and sniffs and everything. And the fact that that was just a Nintendo first party game is just kind of absurd to me i just don't feel like that kind of thing would exist anymore earthbound was a massive anomaly yeah yeah and another game that kept us waiting a long time for a sequel and (laughs) And then kept us waiting even longer afterwards in fact if you if you don't pirate games you're still waiting for the sequel to earthbound yeah also if you don't pirate games you gotta you gotta just get into that it's great 
not like new games. <laughs> I don't mean like new games, but there's so much gaming history that's kind of lost to the annals of time. And, you know, we thought the same thing when Sony announced and then pulled back that they were going to be shutting down the PS3 and, and, and Vita stores. Oh, um, yeah. All in the yeah. bin. Yeah. in the bin, all of it. Yeah. I ended up spending a lot of money on a lot of games in that short period where I thought they were going away. So I guess it worked on me. I I think... You know, people always talk about, oh, it's all right. They can just re-release the games for the new consoles. But then we miss out on all the mistakes. We miss out on the no. games they want us to forget about. Exactly, exactly. That's, that's <laughs> you more can't... important, I'd say, yeah. for, like learning lessons. Yeah, they can't They can't just hide their war crimes. Yeah, I wish they'd re-release yeah. Silent Hill 4. I feel like uh, after the past year and a half, I feel like being trapped in the room is something that we could all uh, <laughs> we could all really empathize with. Yeah. Timely. How so? How are you finding Psychonauts? And do you think the long amount of time between sequel and original game was a detriment at all? Uh, it's interesting. So I'm I'm about seven to ten hours into it, uh, and I'm really enjoying it. Uh, I, I think that it uh, improves the platforming mechanics of the original which oh, i we, think um, was are we are we past the review embargo oh yeah we are yeah okay. it was yesterday morning oh yeah yeah sorry yeah okay, we can just checking. yeah we're, we're not gonna spoil any uh, major plot points or anything but we can definitely talk about this um yeah i think it, it improves uh, a lot of the platforming and and especially camera mechanics of the original which it understandably had some problems because in 2005 people were still figuring out what 3d video games should feel and, and play like um and i think that if there's one thing i can take away from the you know 16 year gap between psychonauts 1 and psychonauts 2 it's that uh it feels like not only double fine but the entire conversation around a lot of the themes of the game including uh trauma and ptsd and mental illness has evolved to a point where people are a lot more open with that kind of stuff and and we treat it the same way we treat if someone has asthma or diabetes. Uh, and I think that that the time between the story of the games has allowed uh, Double Fine to tell, uh, in, what, in my opinion, is a much more like sort of therapeutic and, and, and welcome-handed uh, story in the second one. It's only a little more conscious of the ethics of mm -hmm. going into a person's mind and <laughs> yeah, sticking yeah. stuff about. Yeah. Um, well, Persona 5, there you go. Um, yeah, exactly. The way it plays for me, it's almost like uh, no time passed at all. Mm -hmm. It's It really does feel like um, it's built off the same technology. It feels like a sequel that should have come out a few years later, just from the way it plays. Because it's just more Psychonauts, but it's bigger and uh, they, they actually like fill in a lot of the backstory that in retrospect is now glaringly missing in Psychonauts 1. Mm -hmm. it, yeah, it's... It, it, Oh, go ahead. No, no, after you. Uh, no, it is interesting because, uh, without spoiling it, uh, Psychonauts ends, and then immediately following it are the events of the Rhombus of Ruin, which was a short PSVR game that was released four years ago. Yes, we and then, that's a big part of the continuity of Psychonauts Yeah, too, like VR and, and luckily, game. Yeah, and there is uh, uh, there's a nice wrap-up video, or a, a sort of, you know, a video you can watch that fills you in on the backstory of Psychonauts 1 and Rhombus of Ruin in case you never played them or played them a long time ago. Uh, and then immediately following Rhombus of Ruin is Psychonauts 2. So in the world of Psychonauts, I think Psychonauts 2 starts one day after the end of Psychonauts there's 1. A, there's, a gag. Yeah. there's a gag in Psychonauts 2 that uh, I saw uh, the other day when, when I was playing mm -hmm. it. I don't think you're at it yet, but uh, you you find yourself at like a mental recreation of uh, the summer camp from the first game. Okay. And the main character says, ooh, the summer camp. I haven't been here in days. <laughs> It's uh, and it's pretty funny. The game even acknowledges certain things, like when you uh, early on in the game, Raz, when he gets a new ability, he does his sort of like hero pose, and the camera spins around, yeah, and the the music swells up, which happened every time in the first game. He got a new ability, but then he has new uh, classmates in this one or yeah. interns. He's part of the intern program, and uh, instead of being kind of like elementary school kids, which is what the original game felt like, they're more like sort of jaded hipster teenagers, yeah, and so. I'm doing it and they're just like what the hell are you doing why are you doing that and I thought that was another like really funny thing where it was done so earnestly in the original game but 16 years later is kind of silly so um yeah another sort of expression of 
the sheer time that has elapsed between games, I suppose, without yeah the time actually elapsing in universe, as it were. Yeah, and it's it's interesting. With uh, we were talking about before we started recording that uh, I'm, I think the plan was for Psychonauts to because it ends on a cliffhanger was to were it successful to get a sequel and mm. this would be a thing like the Jack and Daxter trilogy or the Ratchet and Clank trilogy where uh, a, a story a collective story is told over the course of a console generation over the course of three games mm. uh, but the game uh, didn't sell well even uh, beforehand I think originally Microsoft was going to publish it and then they pulled out I believe Majesco published it who doesn't exist anymore and that game sort of led to the end of that era of 3d colorful mascot platformers and then we just got like you know mud boys and and call of duty and and gears of war for the next like 15 years yeah but, but i feel like the mascot platformer was definitely one of the uh sacrificial lambs in the transition mm -hmm. to 3d yeah which is weird because mario was the, mario 64 was kind of the first game to transition to 3d and everyone was like oh this is great like you captured the the magic of 2d mario but moved it into the 3d the third dimension this is wonderful and so it's funny that it in such a brief window of time that sort of closed and people were like no we need guns and we need edge and we need grime well i think part of it was the 3d just doesn't work so well with platforming which is yes. the traditional uh, mascot approach. 3D works mm -hmm. a lot more for shooting. Yeah. Because you can do like <laughs> first person shooters and things. Yeah, yeah. And it was, Psychonauts came out, I think, a year after Resident Evil 4, and the second Resident Evil 4 hit. I think the entire game industry looked at it and was like, oh, we need to do what they're doing. Mm. We need to make that kind of game. And so that's how we got, you know, Gears of War and then just a, a, a litany of, of third-person action games. And then a couple of years later with Modern Warfare, that's when we got the glut of, you know, first-person realistic shooters and everything. Well, I suppose well, one of the advantages of waiting a very long time for a sequel is that uh, uh, you can bring newer technology to make it feel... Even newer, and even more sequely. Good example for that yeah. might be Half-Life Alex, which is also on the thumbnail today. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And so that was, uh, geez, what, uh, another f 15 years in between them, I think, maybe, in between, uh, I can't remember exactly which year Episode 2 came out in. Was it like 2007, 2008? And so, yeah, it yeah, took that, that many years. It always, yeah, and Episode 3 always felt unreal to me. It never felt real to me that Half-Life would do a Half-Life 3 just that was basically just more of Half-Life 2. Because it, yeah. it always felt like Half-Life... Uh, there was only ever a new Half-Life when it could really advance gaming technology. Mm -hmm. So it made sense to me that they held off to do a VR one, even though even if VR is still kind of niche. Yeah, and that's the interesting thing is because clearly they didn't want to just do Half Life Two Part Two because yeah. that's just not how how well, presumably they, that's why roll. they were, Presumably that's why they were doing it as episodes. Episode yeah, one, episode two, and then they were going to yeah. do episode three, but they left it too long, and everyone started saying, "No, we don't want episode three. Now we want a full on Half Life three because you kept us waiting, you assholes." I mean, that's the funny thing with those long gaps, though, is you 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 wonder. If, if you wait over a decade between a sequel, who is the person that you're making this game for? So take Psychonauts, for example, you know, 15, 16 years after the original. Are you making this for uh, people like us who played the original and, and were fans of all or some of it? Or are you making this for an entirely new generation who may have just been you know, young children when the original came out and who now have an Xbox with, you know, Game Pass and can click on this cool colorful weird looking tim burton-esque character and play through a new game yeah i think alex was made for a new audience yeah with, with some like bits in it to appease the fans yeah psychonauts feels like it was made for the Psychonauts two i mean feels like it was made for people who like psychonauts one and that's the other reason why you might want to hold off to do a sequel because of the 20-year nostalgia rule is is that the uh, that's the gap that's after 20 years something officially becomes nostalgic it's basically the rule that popular culture is always nostalgic for the period roughly 20 25 years before the present oh man that was a there's an obvious reason if you think about it it's because that's the time when all the people who are currently making popular culture 
were around 12 years old, which yeah, is the so, age when you're still automatically loyal to the things you enjoy. Uh -huh. And you, but it's when you really start appreciating stuff, art, like art. Yeah. While still not being too critical of the flaws. Yeah, everyone, I always everyone likes remembers most fondly the stuff they experienced around that time. Yeah, and I I always laugh at when people talk about music in that way, and they say, "Oh, there's been no good music since blank," and it's yeah. like, "Well, no, you were just twelve to twenty five years old when you heard that, mm. and it made a really deep impression on you." And you can move that goalpost every twelve to twenty five years with new groups of people. It's it's uh, I don't know. It's it to me, it's kind of strange that people always talk about, "Oh, well, this." form of art is dying and it's like well no everything's just changing and you're just older and so it just doesn't connect with you like if you're mad at the cartoons that are on tv and you're 40 years old they're kind of not meant for you yeah. if you enjoy them then that's great psychonauts 2 is definitely riding the nostalgia wave because the nostalgia wave mm -hmm. in gaming is passing through the ps2 era as we speak i guess after this it's yeah. back to the third person shooters and the brown boys oh no the brown boys sorry oh, the, mu I the muddy make, resistance kids. i don't yeah. make the rules pretty soon everyone's <laughs> gonna be talking about how gears of war was misunderstood <laughs> actually the chainsaw is representation of dom's heartache uh it's it also uh playing psychonauts now for me has also been strange because uh not i promise i'm not gonna like dive too deep into the to, to the weeb of it all but uh last week uh evangelion 3.0 plus 1.0 thrice upon a time came out which is the final uh film in the evangelion uh tetralogy which was kind of a sequel slash remake of the original evangelion tv show so this is it was in theory the third end of evangelion that's, that's to ever be a, made that's had a lot of endings that uh... it's had and it's literally had one called the end of evangelion that yeah. in fact was not the end of evangelion um but when i was talking earlier about how it feels like uh, psychonauts has uh not just 16 years of like visual polish added to it but 16 years of uh legitimate growth and introspection mm -hmm. by the creators I feel the exact same thing about Evangelion. And, and if you watch the original series compared to End, compared to uh, this final movie, you can kind of chart the uh, admittedly open uh, uh, sort of mental journey that its uh, creator Hideki Anno, uh was going on through depression and through, through sort of the, the, the trials and tribulations of trying to create yeah. something that you see as your baby. Yeah, and simply he had more of a budget for the latest one. Yeah, he did. Yeah, it didn't. It didn't turn into like visual stills. Well, yeah. and when it did, it, it was doing so on purpose. So yeah. Well, I'm glad you brought up mental journeys, because mm -hmm. the other game I've been enjoying lately is No More Heroes Three. And uh, I've I've long been a fan of Suda Five One Goichi Suda, because you know his games are always a trip. But he's a little bit flighty as a creative. There's a lot of games that have come out that have been labeled Suda Five One games that he was actually like a co-directing with a bunch of other people yeah but no more heroes always felt like his thing and uh, no more heroes one you know it was a breath of fresh air it was interesting it was crazy and then no more heroes 2 you started to feel like like the energy was dropping off like the first game was yeah. a big old open world and then the second game they just didn't have that it was just a menu and you'd uh, select what mini game to go to next and um, then there was a long period of silence. I see if I've worked on other projects. And then there was a weird game that came out on the Switch a few years back called Travis Strikes Again, which was, I guess, meant to be sort of like a intermission game. I don't think it was intended as a full yeah. installment. I really got the impression that it felt like Suda 5-1 was working through some shit with that game. Interesting. Like he was sort of maybe trying to find, like reconnect with something. Because that game is full of like self-indulgent references to his own works. It's full of characters from his own works that just pop oh. up. And it's full of like, uh, Travis Touchdown really feels like more of an insert for Suda 5-1 in that game. Like, I think I said in the review, Travis Touchdown established from the beginning as like characterized as a massive anime nerd. Like, that was part of his main character. And yeah. Travis Strikes Again, I don't think anime's ever brought up. Travis Touchdown just likes playing indie games in that game. That's his thing. Oh, yeah, and that's a lot of those mini games were like inspired by stuff by indie games, yeah. right? Yeah, and there's like, yeah, there's direct references to Hotline Miami and Undertale, yeah, and kinds of things. Yeah, yeah, that is interesting because, like you said, it, it almost the, the original game he just felt like a, a classic, like otaku, and yeah. you know, you even had the sort of the 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 
uh, sophomore gags of like you know you have to to, to waggle yeah, your your Wiimote to... in order to charge your sword and everything. And, and a lot of a lot of the time in No More Heroes, Travis himself was uh, the subject of ridicule. Like he yeah. was a nerd. He was getting dunked on by everyone, even when he like won every boss fight. Mm-hmm. He's still getting dunked on by like his main female love interest. And mm-hmm. uh, no one really respects him in that game. The game doesn't respect him. But in No More Heroes 2 yeah. onwards, he starts like getting more author inserty. He starts becoming more like a sort of a warrior poet. Weird. Yeah. <laughs> and and uh, the third game really feels like what Travis Strikes Again was like setting up. A sort of like return to confidence for Zulu 5 1. Because okay. it's open world again, like the first one was. It's uh, f- it's full of like ideas. It keeps taking left turns. It's not perfect, but it, you know it was a tri- it was a fun trip. And um, it really feels like the time in the wilderness has certainly benefited no more heroes in this case. Yeah, and again, maybe that allows uh, you know sometimes if if you're gonna do the. Uh... Because I guess the opposite of what we're talking about right now, where where there's lengthy gaps between sequels, is what you see in series like Call of Duty or mm-hmm. or Assassin's Creed, or you know, also the idea of a sequel is now becoming muddied. Like earlier today, we just had a Destiny Two stream that revealed what the next couple expansions and major updates are going to be, and like in theory, it's still Destiny Two, but there's been so much added to that game uh, and and modified that. It feels like it's like ostensibly Destiny Four at this point, but that's just like in the same way we'll probably never get a Minecraft Two or a Fortnite Two. I, I don't know if there's like lines of demarcation. Like, does Minecraft feel like a sequel to Minecraft now if you'd compare it to what it was originally? So I think I said before in a review once you couldn't really do a sequel to Minecraft because the audience of Minecraft doesn't want a sequel; they just want content patches. Yeah, they just want and so exactly yeah. what they've already got that doesn't fuck with the mods but adds, you know, telegraph poles and giraffes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the big two. Uh, yeah, and I'm, I'm, I'm curious with, uh, going back to like the games that, that do get the sequels after a long gap, we also, there's not only the, the ones we've talked about that are either out or coming out soon, but we have a handful of them coming on the horizon. Um, in theory, next year we have Stalker 2, and that's been well over a decade since the last Stalker game. Was it really and into then, Stalker? I was the original. I, I wasn't a huge PC gamer at the time, mm. but I remember people saying that it felt like, again, maybe overshadowed a bit by Half Life Two, but it felt like it was doing stuff that very few other shooters were doing at the time. But I don't know if there just was a massive audience for it then. It was a bit hardcore for me yeah yeah i think if they're gonna do a new one it's probably gonna be watered down a bit yeah i would imagine almost more like metro where metro is a very playable game even though it does have some deep systems yeah that was pretty hardcore as well initially and that got a bit watered down over time yeah yeah i was really Um, disappointed by metro exodus it really felt like they'd lost touch with what the originals were yeah and that's the other thing with uh with games is that you can get a sequel far far down the line but it doesn't necessarily have any if or some if any of the same folks working on it Mm. like we know uh with with psychonauts 2 you know tim schaefer still writing and still still directing the game uh no more heroes heroes. yeah yeah so and you wonder if that's like a thing that you know there's almost like the the I don't know. I don't like the term auteur in video games, but you almost have that. Can that only exist around there? Because I don't know if any of the stalker people are the same folks who worked on it. You know, uh, Metroid Prime 4 is coming out, and like, are those the same people who worked on Metroid Prime 1? Like, how many of those people are actually uh, still at the studio and everything? Thanks for the super chat, Jeffrey Bumworth. Just a reminder that we we don't read out the super chat straight away and slightly something else. We wait until the latter half of the stream where we will read them all out. I'm just saying yes, that now we'll re- to remind you all about the existence of Super Chats because we've only had one so far. Yeah, but we're both, both Yahtzee and I are going to read them simultaneously so you won't be able to actually hear any of them. Uh, but we will read all of them, don't worry. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I suppose yeah. it's not so much how long to wait for a sequel as it is whether or not you can get people invested in a sequel on board. 
Yeah, and so, I don't. Funny examples of stuff been brought back just because the corporation owned the name and wanted to make the money. Yeah, yeah. Reason, I mean, we had uh, the uh, how. For some reason, the first thing that jumped to mind was Syndicate, and how they turned okay, that into a yeah. first-person shooter that nobody yep. liked. Yeah, it's. I mean, sometimes you can just make a sequel of a thing and it's just in name only. Like, it doesn't carry any of the DNA or spirit of the original. So at a certain point, you kind of wonder, you know, what's the point of all this? But mm. then, you know, other times a sequel can completely reboot and, and refresh a franchise. Um, I think Tomb Raider is a good example of that. And, yeah, bring um, it, bring it uh, forward to a new age. But if it is, like, completely rebooting and bringing it to a new age... Does it really matter that it's a sequel to the original property, or could we just have slapped another name on it? Because we just called it, say, yeah. Horizon Zero Dawn. Yeah, I guess it doesn't. It doesn't matter to the thing itself. Like it matters, I guess, to a bottom line, which I don't think we need to really be concerned about. You know, publishers hitting quotas, but um, mm. I would just imagine they realize it's a lot easier to market uh, uh, a known quantity than a completely new IP. <sighs> well, it feels a bit disingenuous, of course. Yeah, yeah. And then, yeah, it is It is strange. And then, you know, you also have things that you know are going to come eventually, but... Like the new Star Wars. Like a new Star Wars, yeah. And we know there's a new Elder Scrolls coming at some point in the future. We saw a logo and some mountains a few years ago. And... I find it hard to think of the Elder Scrolls as a series. It's just like, uh, it's a thing, and every now and again it updates with a new thing, like Madden. I mean, no yeah. one. I mean, they didn't design Oblivion, assuming that you'd played Daggerfall or Elder Scrolls. Yeah, Arena. and so it feels like those it. games, especially, change so much game to game, and especially because it, it they are so generational. I mean, yeah. I, I, you know, you have to imagine Elder Scrolls Six will be out probably in this console generation, but maybe not. Maybe it'll be out by the time there's a PlayStation Six. So. But I guess this fall we're still getting, you know, the Elder or the Skyrim 10th anniversary collection, so oh, nothing ever really dies. Well, I guess that's what they're doing now. Yeah. Instead of Elder Scrolls Six, they just do Skyrim every few years again. No, exactly, exactly. Uh, but the the other thing I find funny is, uh, you know, we talk about long gaps uh, uh, in games, you know, decade plus to get a new Half Life or a new uh, mm. Psychonauts, but that like doesn't hold a candle to other mediums. Uh, it took us 35 years to get a new Blade Runner, and Ridley Scott wasn't involved in the new one, but you know Harrison Ford was, and it was a, a true sequel to the story. It took almost 30 years for Mad Max Fury Road to come out after the last one. That um, feels like a more like modern phenomenon. <clears throat> that's, again, a reflection of just having the name and wanting to make money again and generally having no soul. Yeah, and I guess there wasn't like someone, no one was like, waiting uh on pins and needles for the the mary poppins sequel that we finally got you know 55 years after the original you know no one was waiting for for closure to that story it's just disney was like oh we can make money by doing this but new was there a new mary poppins there was yeah yeah with emily blunt i believe it was called mary poppins returns a couple couple years ago well i'm not a movie guy uh uh, you're not. A, I thought you're not a big Mary Poppins guy, though. Like that doesn't transcend <laughs> not being a big movie guy. Well, I don't think I've ever thought of myself as a big Mary Poppins guy. No. <laughs> just, just, just asking. Just asking. Uh, and you also get the same with books. Um, you know, Stephen King wrote a sequel to The Shining called Doctor Sleep, and that was 35 years later. Um, and then 10 years later, we're still waiting on uh, the Winds of Winter, the new Song of Ice and Fire book. I think. What it is, is that the question of whether or not such and such needs a sequel, that sort of the impact of that question sort of fades over time. Mm -hmm. If you put something out and like it's self-contained and doesn't need a sequel, and then like 20 years down the line when like attitudes and, uh, and nostalgia has come back for it, and attitudes have changed, then uh, you might, then the original creator start thinking, oh, maybe it does need a sequel now that I've, now that I've changed my perspective on it so much over time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, or maybe you have a creator that hits, a, I don't think any of the examples we mentioned, but maybe someone hits a lull and is like, well, shit, I kind of need to go back to the, is something like, I'm sorry to keep bringing up movies, but like M. Night Shyamalan, 
who who did uh, Sixth Sense and then Unbreakable, mm. hit a real rough patch in his career where he made a couple couple real stinkers, and then he made that movie Split, which ended up being a sequel to Unbreakable, like a secret sequel. Yeah. Um, and so that felt like a, a going back to the well out of necessity as opposed to going back to the well because you're interested yeah. in it. Going back to the glory days. Yeah, yeah. Still, I think what we've learned is that it's possible that you that there's no too long to wait for a sequel. Mm-hmm. It might be the case that there's not enough uh, time to wait for a sequel in some yeah. cases. I think if there's a long wait for a sequel, it can be a mixed bag. If there's too short a wait for a sequel, then uh, that's usually pretty bad. Yeah. Yeah, I'd agree with that. And I think there's also, the further we get from a previous game in the series, I think a groundswell of people wanting it for nostalgic reasons only are coming up. I think you're seeing that a lot with Splinter Cell, you know, people wanting their Beyond Good and Evil sequel. And it's yeah, less... That super chat just came up. And the, the yeah, yeah. About it. Yeah, so uh, I almost feel like it's less to, uh, needing more story from the original and more of like... I missed this thing from X long ago. I would like to see it come back. Yeah. Whereas if Beyond Good and Evil for some reason became Assassin's Creed and we were getting it every year, I feel like there'd be people saying, oh God, Ubisoft's back again with their Beyond Good and Evil annualization. They keep teasing us about that Beyond Good and Evil. I wonder how many people are excited at the thought but couldn't really tell you exactly what happened in the first Beyond Good and Evil. That it- well, and especially the, the the demo they showed of the second one doesn't see, like the first one is a like small open world, uh, yeah. you know, Zelda-ish adventure, yeah. whereas this is like, you will have a galaxy and build your own, it's sort of like Star Citizen, you know, tomfoolery. Yeah, it feels like the general tone of the thing has changed so much, it might as well be something else. Yeah, no, absolutely, absolutely. And then you have other ones that kind of feel like blatant nostalgia grabs, like that's how I've been feeling. Again, this is the last time I'm going to bring up movies, I promise. But uh, <laughs> there's a Ghostbusters sequel coming out, and it's well, written last, and directed. Yeah, the last one was a blatant nostalgia yeah. grab. <laughs> yeah, and so, uh, yeah, I mean, sometimes it's just like, oh, you remember this old thing? Well, it's back. Got to flash something up to make the audience applaud at the E3 presentation, haven't you? Yeah, yeah. And yeah, I don't know, maybe we've become so, like... People don't applaud when they just see a new idea that's kind of interesting. They go, ooh, I'll have to check that out. They don't go, why? (laughs) Why? It's the thing I like. It's it's funny, because, you know... All the game experiences I've been most excited about in the years are like have been totally new ideas that caught mm-hmm. me off guard out of nowhere that I wasn't expecting much from and completely sucked me in. I've never yeah. had like an experience with a long-awaited sequel that just gave me that sort of feeling. At best, it feels like putting on a nice comfy pair of socks again. Yeah. I'm it just- doesn't feel electrifying the way something really new and exciting does well and there is something special about uh because it feels like at least you know on this side of the industry we kind of have to know about so much stuff before it comes out i think you're a little bit immune to that but if you're in sort of previews and preview news coverage you have to be into uh Mm -hmm. so there's rare opportunities where something like uh outer wilds or return of the obra din or spirit fair are able to sort of come out of left field and just slap you across the head and you're like, oh, what the, this wasn't something that I've seen 10 trailers of at five E3s in a row. Like this is something new and I didn't know it exists. And all of a sudden it's here. Yeah. And it's interesting. Yeah. 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 And it feels at a certain point, if you're, if you're hyping something up for too long, it will just never meet expectations. Like, Mm. Something like uh, a cyber project or a, uh, cyberpunk uh, seemed doomed to fail from the start. I was just thinking about cyberpunk. It makes me wonder, like, yeah. what were people really expecting from that? Because you know, I don't think they. I don't think if you'd asked the people who were really hyped up for it what exactly they were expecting from it, I think they might have had trouble articulating. They just I mean, knew I think, it was going to be amazing. Somehow. I mean, I think they just wanted The Witcher Three, but you could have sex with robots. 
Like, I think you just wanted Witcher 3, but with... Well, technically, you know, if you play Witcher 3, you are playing... Se- you are having sex with robots from, in a, from a strict perspective. <laughs> if we're going to get into a semantics ba- debate here, yes, you are. You're making love to, to artificial intelligence. Yeah. Oh, God, this is just going down a rabbit hole. I don't yeah. want to be here. Uh, but, uh, yeah, it's... Uh, you know, and and it's it's also interesting the uh, the studios who have sort of the carte blanche to not need to rush a sequel. Mm. Um, I mean, this fall we're getting Grand Theft Auto Five again, uh, and so it doesn't seem like Rockstar is in any hurry to make a Grand Theft Auto Six. I'm sure they're working it seems, on it. it. Seems not. They were like putting out a game a year for a while, and they just yeah. I think it was when GTA Online came out. They just stopped dead because yep. that you was can- how they could make all their money suddenly. Yeah, yeah. And it was like then, six years until Red Dead Redemption 2. Yeah, and then and then nothing. And, you know, now there's rumors that we're going to be getting uh, 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 modern remasters or HD remakes of uh, uh, the PS2 trilogy. So GTA 3 and Vice City and San Andreas, which seems almost like the other thing uh, uh, studios can do is create these stopgap experiences mm. that make the wait between uh, sequels a little bit more bearable. Uh, we were talking about Persona earlier because we're always talking about Persona. Yeah, sure. But uh, yeah, there is a long gap between core games in that series. I think it was like a nine-year gap between uh, Persona Four and Persona Five proper. Yeah, you can really and see I think the, it's been the difference. In <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I feel it's like, been like a... it won't feel like oh, too much of a wait this time because I feel like I came quite late back to Persona Five. In, no, absolutely, in and and even for fans who were really in it. Uh, the weight didn't seem that bad because uh, Atlas works on all of these uh, sort of special edition versions. So like Persona 4 Golden or 5 Royale and then uh, Royal, excuse me. And then uh, they also work on a bunch of side stories. So you have the dancing games and Persona Q 1 and 2 and the fighting games and then uh, Strikers earlier this year. So it doesn't seem like a year goes by where we don't get a Persona game, even yeah. if the gap between the core ones is pretty long in game standards. You can always... Uh... Just remind people of the characters, I suppose. Yeah, and then yeah, which, and then you bring out a new one with all new characters, and the cycle begins anew. Exactly, exactly. You know, when I did, when I like reviewed Persona Four Golden and said I felt like I preferred Persona Five, the comments threatened a mutiny. You know, because <laughs> I guess because they were stuck with just Persona Four for so long, people got really attached to that game. Yeah, I mean, I, I would say... Yeah, how can you say the characters in Persona 5 were better? The characters were obviously better in Persona 4. What's wrong with you? I mean, that's. I'm glad you cut me off there because I was literally about to say, I like the characters in Persona 4 better, but I think the gameplay in Persona 5 is better. And Persona 5 is a pretty might have had game. too many characters. It did have a lot, and they introduced some uh, near the tail end that just didn't... Like, Haru is always the yeah. party member that's left by the wayside. Yeah, she felt it like a bit too many. Yeah. Bridge too far, a Haru too far. Yeah. Cut us off at Haru, it would have been fine. I yeah. <laughs> <sighs> well, I think we should go to Super Chats, because we've got a bunch now, now that I've guilted everyone. That sounds great. Oh my god, there's so many. I'll just bring them up on the YouTube uh, monetization uh, page. Also, congrats to Nick for upgrading his membership to Early Access. That's oh, Nick he was Kalindra. just testing the system. Well, I just, I'm, I'm glad to have a fan support us, so thanks, Nick. Thanks, Nick. You <laughs> took one for the team there. <laughs> Jeffrey of Monmouth gives five US dollars to ask, are spiritual successes stroke sequels long after the fact generally safer bets than direct sequels? As in Fallout from Wasteland, Bioshock from System Shock, etc. Well, I guess you know it's not just repeating itself for the name recognition, Bucks. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's uh, not necessarily a safer bet, but I think it's looked more fondly upon by cynics um well ask me for i am a cynic yes <laughs> yes i did quite like, enjoy, like, i enjoyed that bloodstained game quite a bit yeah there you was, go as opposed to if it was another castlevania yeah yeah, um, yeah something i know when i konami are shitheads and everything but they really like turn their back on a lot of uh, what really used to work Hey, don't worry. There's a new Castle Gavinia game coming to Apple Arcade soon. Is it three? So I, is, I'm it, at, is it three D? Uh, no, no. It's it's it looks like uh, looks like Symphony of the Night. Oh well. 
Yeah. It but was felt only the Apple Arcade. So. Castlevania had a similar problem to Sonic the Hedgehog in that whenever it went 3D, it never really worked. Uh, yeah, I would uh, I would completely agree with that. But I, I <laughs> love all the 2D Castlevanias. I love all the like the, the ones on the DS and the GBA. Yeah, I thought they were great. Yeah, absolutely. Um, almost full stop. I love them all. And uh, this question, though, is going to be interesting in a couple of years when we see, we know that uh, uh, EA is working on a Dead Space remake. Uh, but then at the same time, we have the Callisto Protocol, which is by a lot of the former Dead Space leads at a, at a new studio. So This story keeps happening, doesn't it? Yeah. The, dis- the Disillusion team, who used to make the good thing, make their own version of the good thing that's obviously the good thing. And the people who still have the rights to the good thing make their own rival version of the good thing. Yeah. Well, same thing happened with Harvest Moon. That's right. Yeah, yeah. And the, was the story of seasons? Is that where, yeah. what's the other? Yeah. And the classic Kickstarter story that Bloodstained came out of. Original creator doesn't have the rights back, so just give us some money and we'll make this original idea we've got. Yeah. Wink. That's but then sometimes not Castlevania. We, Wink. But while Bloodstained was good, sometimes you end up getting Mighty Number no. Nine, that's, which was that's the, the other side of the coin. Of <laughs> the Mega Man version of that. Yeah. yeah. Um, BS Marsh, give us five US dollars to say the Xbox stream super chat spent everyone's money. That um, is true. I think there was a lot of money during that chat, uh, if, because everyone wanted to. So the Nick is officially playing, uh, uh, Persona 5 in five separate Let's Plays. Uh, and the last one is going to be an all night one. Will five be enough? Will five including uh, oh, an all nighter no. be enough? Uh, no, no, I don't think they're going to be 25 hours apiece. I think Nick has no intention of finishing that game, no. but I'm going to make sure he gets to the good stuff. Oh, so Nick, I'm going to make sure he's punished. Nick, you big tease. <laughs> well, it's his own fault. He was going on about how he was going to play more games from Japan. He did. He, he played Yakuza. He's gotten into the FromSoft games. He played Final Fantasy VII Remake. Uh, yeah. I think he's going to love... I think not only is he going to love Persona 5, but I think he's going to find himself a waifu soon. So, good for Nick. Ooh, well, we'll come back to that <laughs> in the future and see how accurate that prediction was. Uh, Jordan Berry gave us five Australian dollars to say, Super secret message received. Thanks for all the entertainment over the years. Yahtzee, been a fan of ZP since 08. Wanted to give something back. Thank you very much, Jordan Berry. All the Super Chats are very much appreciated. Stuff like Super Chats and subscriptions and stuff is what keeps us able to make the content we love and you love to watch. Absolutely. I think that's the whole pitch. Yeah, that sounds great. All the games gives uh, US dollars one ninety nine to say, where does Jute Nukem Forever fit in as a sequel? Well, that was a unique case, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that, wasn't so much, forever. that wasn't so much a sequel like 16 years after the fact, because they were working on it the whole time. That was supposed yeah. to be a not too long after the fact sequel. Yeah, and uh, that's it's interesting because that's also a franchise that just had a game so bad that it just killed it to the point where like we've gotten the we got the the Duke Nukem remastered collection or whatever that had a new little campaign which was weirdly similar to the Quake that just came out. You know what? We got Quake a, with a new campaign. Yeah, you know what? After a while, I don't think anyone seriously cared about Duke Forever. People were only interested because they were nostalgic for the nostalgia. They were nostalgic not for Duke Nukem 3D, but for the feeling of waiting for Duke Nukem Forever. Yeah, like what? Like nostalgic for hope or for like yeah, optimism? Yeah, they were, they were nostalgic for the optimism they'd felt 15 years ago when Duke Nukem Forever was first announced. That's my thing, yeah. anyway. Yeah, no, that, that, that checks out. Do you think we'll get a new Duke Nukem anytime soon? In the <sighs> next 10 years, do you think we'll get a new Duke Nukem? Well... Randy Pitchford controls the IP, as I understand it. Well, all right. I guess that conversation's over. <laughs> <laughs> well, he might make a version that everyone hates. Uh, that'd be nice, yeah. Well, you know, Jimmy yeah. is a character from his time period. He was a mm-hmm. 90s-era shooter character, that is to say, an 80s-era action movie character. Uh, it's funny, I... I uh... A friend of mine is a, a writer in the games industry, and uh, uh, he he shared with me his pitch that he made to two K proper when you know they had the rights to Duke Nukem, which I think they still do well, somewhat with Gearbox. I might have a similar story, but go on. Uh, and the pitch uh, was fascinating. 
like legitimately would have been an interesting way to bring that character into a modern era. And it was very uh, self-aware and Duke would have to uh, 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 wrestle with the fact that he had a daughter and the daughter grew up to be a, a strong independent feminist and, and him trying to wrestle with the idea of being a, a, a non-chauvinistic father while still having to wrestle with the demons of his past. Yes. Um, they did not make that game. See, a long time ago, I was like uh, approached to submit a like an audition script for Dune Nukem Forever. Okay. And um, I wrote one which was basically just taking the piss out of the character the whole time. Not so much what mm -hmm. you're talking about, the sudden maturity over time. More sort of the um, looking back on the character with the cynical age of today. And just like he does, like all the action movie stuff, but everyone around him is just worse off because of it. Like Johnny Bravo, I suppose. Exactly. Okay, that that works out perfectly, and he's kind of just yeah. uh, completely unaware of of his yeah. surroundings and of of the world around him. Yeah, I was just taking the piss because I think if you're going to do that character, you have to be ironic mm -hmm. at this point, unless you're doing if you're going unless you're going sincere, the sincere nostalgic deconstruction, like what you're talking about. You, yeah. re you really just have to take the piss. Yeah. You can't really do it uh, straight face these days, just because a lot of it is just so politically incorrect in mm -hmm. the modern era. And it was also, like, I never, maybe I was a bit too young, but I just never got into Duke Nukem. Like, it never did anything for me. Like, I like Doom because I thought mm. killing monsters was neat. But, the like, Duke Nukem humor and stuff just never, I don't know. It just never, I wasn't offended by it, but it just never clicked well, it, with me. It sort of was an important game in the history of uh, adding personality and uh, consistent theming to shooters. Mm -hmm. But yeah, it, it hasn't aged well. Yeah. Let's move on. Chaos Chris gives 25 US dollars. Look at money bags over here. Who says, <laughs> quietly supporting while at work. Thank you very much, Chaos Chris. We will not tell your boss, we promise. Yo, Borny, unless you're listening without earphones on, in which case That's you get everything you deserve. Hey, Chaos yeah. Chris's boss. Hey, come <laughs> over here. He's listening to bullshit instead of working. <laughs> Yo, Borny gives 10 euro to say, the sequel I've been waiting for forever, Beyond Good and Evil 2. Loved the original as a kid, but if it ever comes, it might just take the last bit of joy left in my life. Yeah, it's another example yeah. where people remember waiting for it more than they remember the original game, as we said. Yeah, and uh, th that game's status is a little bit up in the air. Like, we just uh, got reports this week that, uh, so the game is, its creative director is Michelle Ansel, who directed the original one. Yep. And then Michelle Ansel also had, like, a side project, not at Ubisoft, called Wild. And uh, the report just came out this week that Wild has secretly been cancelled probably a while ago because that game was first shown off i think five years ago and we heard very little of it since okay. uh so yeah yeah so i don't know what uh, i don't know what what the status of beyond good and evil 2 is but it's going to the same place that like games like skull and bones went and and lmno and yeah a nice little it's a shame, nice little farm yeah. upstate it's a shame the shit show over the sequel sort of eclipsed the original game Cause yeah because the original game is a really yeah it's great really good. smart yeah, quite ahead yeah. of its time as well, and it's got yeah, like really cool. One of the classic examples, one of the early good examples of a female protagonist in video games. Yeah, yeah, a hundred percent, and uh, yeah, a well-rounded character, and it had interesting, uh, interesting combat, interesting use of a camera. Like, a, literally, the character was like a sort of yeah. like a photojournalist. So, Very ahead of yeah. its time. Yeah, it, it was def definitely felt cut down because, like, you know, at the end of yeah. the game, you got like twenty-five orbs you need. And then someone just opens a wall and says, here's 25 orbs. Yeah. Now you can go to the ending and we don't yeah. have to make any more bloody content. Yeah. Instead of it just being like, oh, well, here are the 25 orbs I need. But yeah, you know, that's in life. If you work hard, eventually someone will just double your money. Is that true? Maybe if you invest heavily in the stock market. Oh, okay. okay. That's probably why I'm in politics. Yeah. I am very, very poor. Meister Kleister Heist Air gives five euros. Do say Back to the Future got great sequels. Metal Gear Solid managed to squeeze in good games into their official canon. Metal Gear Solid's a weird example, because correct me if I'm wrong, but I think it's the only franchise 
that is still continuing an ongoing plot that began in the Nintendo Entertainment System era. Uh, yeah, I'd, I'd agree with you. Some people would be like, what about Zelda? But the, that as much count. as I love Zelda, that stuff does not count. That but no, count. Metal Gear is it's, it's literally the same characters. Yeah, same characters, yeah. ongoing plot. Yeah. It's been a few things have been retconned over the years. Mm -hmm. but yeah, but a lot of the events of the original two, the the, the you know the pre uh, the the pre Metal Gear Solid ones are still canon. The characters are still canon, and yeah. things that happen are still canon. So this is what you can have when you acknowledge a single creator rather than just uh, the name of the franchise or the uh, the, the the studio. Yeah, and you it's... acknowledge like a person and say this thing is that person's baby, which you don't see so much of these days. I mean, back in the no. day, there were a lot of games where you'd have someone's name and then an inverted comma and an S and then the title of the game, and you yeah, don't see yeah. that so much these days. And I always think that's a shame. Yeah, and you've even seen, uh, you know, yeah, you'd see that especially on some you know PC games with. Uh, you know, Will Wright and Sid yeah. Meier and yeah. uh, uh, Tim Schafer even. But then you look at a guy like Tim Schafer now who, like, it's not called Tim Schafer's Psychonauts 2. No. Like, he's still doing a lot of the marketing and interviews for it, of course, but um, he's a very the, affable guy. I think it's only the Japanese industry that still, like, acknowledges individuals as the directors of games. Yeah. And I guess you mentioned Suda51. Like, that's a perfect example. Like, his games are never marketed without him being front and center. Yeah. I hate to be a pedant, but it is a Suda 5-1, not Suda 51. Suda 5-1, excuse me. They should put a space or some sort of uh, I guess. Uh, punctuation. You know you know why he goes by Suda 5-1? I don't know. Because his first name is Goichi. Which it, which uh, you can, Goichi. Yeah, Goichi 5-1, the Japanese words for 5 and 1. Okay, that's that's now I know that. That's very clever. I thought so. They love their puns, them Japanese. They really do. Where were we? Scavenger gives five US dollars to say, uh, yeah, so you talk about how some sequels rehash, some step up from that. Bioshock Infinite, Assassin's Creed 2, Silent Hill 2, Mega Man 2. I don't know if I've ever oh. mentioned Mega Man 2, but yes, my <laughs> uh, feeling has always been that a good sequel is one that jumps off from the original, and a bad sequel is one that just wallows in it. Yeah. I think that's a, I think that's a great observation, and I would... Uh, disagree with the bioshock infinite of this statement um mm. I, not that i don't not that i dislike bioshock infinite but i don't think it's in the same level of taking a hot beat and making a hot song that the leap to assassin's creed 2 was or silent hill 2 or even uncharted 2 like those are games that i think are unequivocally better than the originals yeah there's always a lot think, of debate around bioshock infinite i really liked yeah. it yeah i think it was my game of so the year I. the year it came out um i also haven't replayed it since it came out so me i'd be neither. interested too. yeah <laughs> funny that isn't it <laughs> which maybe you know that's not an indictment of the game like maybe that's just maybe one time's enough i think i tweeted this once but you know what it should have been called bioshock infinite What's that? it should have been called culture shock uh oh my god that would have been great system shock bioshock culture shock culture shock Bam. that's and prey should have been called psycho shock well, this could have had the whole shock universe the yeah. shock cu yeah i was I assume that was the sort of thing they wanted. Yeah. Uh, another an interesting example, it's not necessarily the twos, but uh, when games, I think, especially made the jump from the uh, NES to the SNES, hmm. it felt like those games were almost remakes of the original, but being able to do something so much more because of the hardware. It was such and a I, technological I, jump. That's the trouble with like yeah. new consoles these days. It's not as, like, not as huge a quantum leap. As the leap from eight bit to sixteen bit, or the leap from two D to three D. Exactly, exactly. And like, you know, there's nothing. Halo, maybe Halo Infinite's a bad example because it's also coming to the old Xbox. But yeah. when you saw like Super Mario World or A Link to the Past or Super Metroid, like what they did was so far above and beyond what their original counterparts did, mm. while still keeping the same kind of essence. And it just doesn't feel like we get that leap anymore, and maybe we never will. Or maybe that leap is. You know, episode two, Half Life episode two to uh, Half Life Alex, but so few people get to play it. They keep talking about remaking Resident Evil 4, but I didn't feel like you can. That feels like the cutoff point for me. I mean, Resident Evil 2, that remade, that was a quantum mm -hmm. leap. Yeah, but yeah. Resident Evil 4 doesn't feel like you could remake it the same way because it wouldn't be a quantum leap at all. 
it doesn't. I mean, they're like saying this. There's the same rumors that they're remaking The Last of Us, which already got a remaster. <laughs> yeah, I mean, remaster. Is, fair enough. I mean, if you just yeah. want to like, polish the textures up a bit. Yeah, and then resell it to people. Like I, I understand why they do that, but the idea of yeah. remaking a game that is still perfectly playable yeah. on modern hardware, I guess seems you know, there's some like stumbling points in Resident Evil Four just because it was like the first one to do over the shoulder that sort of over the shoulder gameplay. Like the camera controls yeah. are really weird. Yeah, yeah. But you know that that's just a a patch job. Yeah. The, uh, that guy you know gives five US dollars to say, I'm frothing at the mouth for No More Heroes 3. It's either going to be the second coming of Christ or a great betrayal of me personally. Well, there's oh, wow. quite a gap between those two possibilities. <laughs> I thought you shoot for something in between. Like, uh, yeah. it feels like uh, a big proper installment, but it's a bit self-indulgent and sometimes feel a bit baggy. How about you, look, how about you uh, expect that? Because yeah, I think that's is. a safe... I think it's safe that every video game that's going to come out for the rest of time will be somewhere between the second coming of Christ and a great personal betrayal. Yeah. Yeah. Statistically. Yeah. <laughs> Deeb's Scrub gave us five US dollars to say, here's five dollars for Marty telling me the creators of Dead Space are making a new horror game, so I don't need to accept the upcoming remake is all we get. There you go. See, it's the best best of both worlds. If you if you so desperately need Isaac Clarke to be your hero, EA has you covered. If you want to see what the original creators are doing with a new world, oh, the weirdness crazy. of that world is that is it's supposedly set in the PUBG universe, which I didn't know there was a PUBG universe, and also I didn't know there were like space monsters in that universe. But why not? Everything else is in why not the PUBG universe. Oh wait, I'm thinking of Fortnite. <laughs> No, yeah, we're all a part of Fortnite. Yeah. Isaac Clark. First time I heard that name, I was like, roll eyes. I couldn't roll my eyes hard enough. <laughs> Why not Arthur Asimov? The trouble with uh, Isaac Clark is that you've got those two C's in the middle, like back to back, and that's bad for the pronunciation. Arthur Asimov, uh, that would have been That would have been good. Right off That'd the top. Well that also sounds like a weird mascot platformer as well. Arthur Asimov and the limb creatures from space. Yeah, exactly. I feel like that's as a bit on the nose as much as like the main character of uh, Lost is named Jack Shepard and his the ghost of his dad is named Christian Shepard. And I was like, uh, well, can't really name a character Christian Shepard. <laughs> that, no. seems, that seems a little much. Bit on the nose. Yeah. Uh, Scavenger gives 10 US dollars to say some sequels are better when the tech advances see Street Fighter vs. SF2 Doom vs. Doom oh I see what you mean is there a limit to what gameplay advances there can be fancier ways to shoot stroke fight, stroke romance, stroke build things uh, yeah, Street Fighter and Street Fighter 2 is might be like the biggest leap between a sequel. Um, yeah, that's why no one remembers that there was an original Street Fighter yeah, yeah um and uh, there was a long gap between Doom and Doom, assuming you're talking about Doom and then the 2016 yeah. remake, because we had Doom, Doom 2 and then a long, long ways to, to Doom 3. Well, there was always we, Final Doom. Final Doom, Doom 64. Yeah, there was a lot of Doom, a lot Doom of mini, 3, mini Dooms yeah. in there. A lot of uh, fan-made Doom. Yeah, yeah. But uh, no, I do agree, and I just don't know what modern franchises out there that could really benefit from that sort of technological leap yeah, it just the, feels the, like uh, scavenger's question was is there a limit to what gameplay advances there can be and i suppose not because like the hypothetically you could create like a, a super game where you could li do literally anything you can do in real life but you know in practice it would be a huge pain in the ass to make and most people would prefer you know like a curated story experience mm -hmm. yeah like you could if you really wanted to you could not it's not like it's feasible but if there was a Grand Theft Auto game, but with the entire planet, like in yeah. uh, Microsoft Flight Simulator. I think we've already uh, reached the limit of what benefit you can give to gameplay by increasing technology. I think uh, with so yeah. many open world games now that we're all getting kind of sick of. And now it's like the, the uh, more focused experiences that tend to make more waves these days. Yeah, with more like personal interactions and, yeah. and smaller things. Yeah, yeah. I feel like for me, the biggest leaps are coming from quality of life things like 
stuff like that. What does Xbox call it? Smart delivery. It's just uh, where, or, or whatever, where the game, like I can stop a game three months ago and then go back to my Xbox and it just loads up where I was. And it's kind of like miraculous. And then cutting down on load times and everything. So. Yeah. That's sort of thing that we'll all get very entitled and spoiled over in a few years. Cause we'll go oh, to retro games and complain that they don't have those features. Yeah. That sounds about right. Nico Monkey gives US dollars nine ninety nine to say just wanted to provide support for you guys. Also recently enjoyed a differently morphous and found it extremely charming, especially in audiobook form. Smiley face on the subject of sequels. Any chance? Question mark. Well, mm. funny you should ask. The sequel to Differently Morphous will be out before the end of the year. Look at that! I just got uh, an email from the publishers actually saying they've got a few more pickups I need to do for the audiobook. Well, so that's excellent. I'd, I'd better reply to that at some point. Was that the audiobook? Uh, I think the last time we streamed, you mentioned that you recorded it all in like a weekend. Yeah, same one. Yeah, I guess it makes sense. Uh, there's some pickups to be done. Yeah, that's 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 a lot of that's a lot of recording. Yeah. Well, I hope uh, uh, that's that's incredible. And I like that you announced a release window that close to the game. It's not like. Uh, no, here's not, the next Elder Scrolls, yeah. and we'll see you in seven years. Well, it's easier to make a book than a game, I suppose. Uh, yeah, that's true. Also, Suck it, uh, Steinbeck. I might as well tell you the tell you the name. Actually, it's going to be called Ooh. Existentially Challenged. Ooh, and it I like and it, it uh, deals with the subject of religion in a world where magic has been declassified. I like it. Should be fun. Uh, the next World War gave us five cool. US dollars to say, then there's the sequels that you're just happy are halfway enjoyable and don't end all hope for the franchise. See Ace Combat 7 Skies Unknown. That is, that, that's also a funny point where it seems like a lot of times uh, in the lead up to a sequel, people are like, well, this is it. This is make or break. Like if this fails, we're never going back to this well. Yeah. And uh, I guess yeah, if, that, I guess I think if you do leave a lot of, of pressure. I guess if you do leave a lot of time before the sequel, that does create expectations. Where if you just rattle yeah. them out, like if you're making the East series, for example, mm -hmm. you can just, you know, you can just be a comfort zone of a game. Yeah, Like me doing exactly, zero punctuation exactly. every week. If I like kept people waiting six months for a new episode, people would get disappointed. But if you just bring yeah, it out yeah. one a week, everyone just goes, "Ah, oh, it's the stuff. We, it's the same stuff we always like. It's just yeah. nice. It's it's comfort food." Yeah. yeah. Well said. Meister Kleister Heist Air again gives five euros to say, "I rather forget about sequels and then just be pleasantly surprised when they suddenly release." Win win. That's that. I would love to be able to just like uh, forget about things until they're out. Like that'd be but great. Then what will oh, all I the gaming media outlets talk about? <laughs> That's true. That might put that might put us out of out of out of some some forms of work. So so maybe we don't want that. I'm going to say no more super chats from this point, please, because we've got to wrap up at some point. Mm -hmm. Thanks for all like your super chats, though. Thanks for all like giving them all after I guilt tripped yeah, you over it. I think you you the audience is the real super chat. I think I might have uh, said a little snowball that has become an avalanche there. <laughs> Little source of his apprentice broomsticks problem. <laughs> uh, Clutch forty five gives two years dollars to say Oblivion to Skyrim or same phenomenon as Zelda. I'm not sure what you're talking about there. Probably in reference to something we stopped talking about ages ago. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Maybe the yeah, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not sure. I mean, because it seems like the Elder Scrolls games did come along at a pretty consistent tick. Like there was never a time where you were wondering, will we get another one? Mm. And sometimes that, that gap is pretty big, but uh, rarely longer than a full generation. I mean, except for now, we're 10 years on and we still haven't gotten well, all the okay, Scroll 6. Those kinds of huge open world games are much harder to make. Oh, absolutely. And I didn't mean, when I said we still haven't gotten, I didn't mean like, you know, angry chubby kid at the dinner table slamming his hands that his 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 pot roast isn't ready yet. Mm -hmm. That was a weird specific, I don't know why I did that. But uh uh, yeah, it's fine. It's let them work. They worked on other stuff. They did some fallouts. They're doing the Starfield. Just a bunch of games I'm probably not going to play. It's they're, great. They're ostensibly doing Starfield. We keep hearing uh, about yeah. it and not seeing very much of it. <laughs> it's more of a concept than anything. Yeah. yeah. I want to know if it's like actual go anywhere in space or if it's just a bunch of sandboxes strung together like what Mass Effect Andromeda was. I have a I, feeling it's that. I certainly suspect that as well. Yeah. 
Patrick Westerlund gives 100 kroner, I think, to say, I love this format. Have some money. Thank you very much. The greatest greatest comment ever. Clutch45 again gives five US dollars to say, speaking of sequels, grats on second baby on the way, Yahtzee. As first time expectant father myself now, what wisdom can you share? Great epiphanies? Well, I guess the wisdom I have acquired from the first baby was it does get easier. Just remember, it gets easier. (laughs) Just cling to that in your darkest moments. The road to heaven leads through hell. It will get easier. And finally, that guy you know gives five US dollars again to say, who do you think is responsible for keeping old games accessible? Oh, wow. That's just a big, that's a, like, that's that's an entire show topic. Maybe we'll hang on to that for next time. (laughs) Uh, Well, in theory, the publishers are, they don't. Mm -hmm. So uh, I guess the people who want to play those old games are the ones who have to keep them accessible. Yeah. And I mean, sometimes the publishers literally can't because they just don't exist anymore. Um, So... Yeah, that's when when I was making the piracy comment earlier, saying piracy is great. I mean, in these circumstances, uh, the fact that I could play Mother Three with an excellent English fan translation uh, is is wonderful. Yeah, it's the abandonware debate again, isn't it? Yeah, it's okay to pirate if the publisher literally doesn't seem to give give a shit about the product anymore. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right, well. Uh, that was slightly something else. Thanks for joining us, and thanks for all the super chats. It's what makes it all worth it. Absolutely. I hope we've all had an enlightening discussion about sequels and not getting excited about things, which is always <laughs> the smart approach in my book. I think you can get a little excited, a little. Just keep okay. it like yeah, just keep it on the small dose though. of excitement. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Hidden, hidden excitement. Don't and don't get angry at other people for not being as excited. And don't clap. If you see a trailer, don't clap. You could just, yeah. you could be, you could say to yourself, wow, that looks neat, but there's no need to clap. Yeah, there's no, and there's no need to, while we're on the subject, there's no reason to publish a video of yourself reacting to it either. Uh, okay, Nick, Nick, uh, Nick Casey and I just literally spent like two hours reacting to the announcement. Of, okay, uh, okay, thing, okay. So. it's okay when we do it. Because <laughs> we're not like, you know, waving our hands and screaming like loons, I assume. I haven't seen it yet. Yeah. But if you're going to do, we were not screaming like loons at all. But okay, also, if you're going to yeah. do it, don't make the thumbnail where you're doing like a reaction face. Don't yeah. do that because your face will stick that way. Yeah, don't do that. Yeah. All right. Uh, well, that's all from me. I was Yahtzee Croshaw. I was joined by Marty Sleever. Thanks for having me. And I will see you all tomorrow for Zero Punctuation and the post-CP stream. Jack will be joining me for that. Uh, we're covering 12 minutes, which he hasn't that's played. So it should be fun. That is so many minutes. Well, it's more than 10. That's incredible. And Less than 15, though. And it's more than 11. Oh, what a time to be alive. It's both more than 10 and more than 11. That's the kind of innovative spirit the games industry embodies these days. (laughs) All right. Bye, everyone. Bye, all. Thanks for tuning in.